It is Thursday, September 22nd, 2022. This is another edition of Baseball Today. My man Trevor Plouffe is out hanging with the family the next two days, but in his place, we've got the left-hander, Jerry Blevins. We also have producer Dan along for the ride as well. I am Chris Rose. Hello, Jerry. How are you? Hello, Mr. Rose. Thanks for having me on. What an honor to fill in for Plouffe, who's taken some family time, which I respect the hell out of. Yes, I think uh, so. He just called me this morning. He wanted everybody to know that is consuming, whether it's on our YouTube channel via podcast form or live on the AMP app, which, of course, you can download and join us every day at 1130 a.m. Eastern for an hour. Download that on the iPhone. He said he misses everybody. He called me and said he misses everybody. He is out um, like in the desert. Glamping. Glamping, <laughs> very much so. I told him, don't get eaten by a bear. That was my only advice. Bear and scorpions. I'm not a camping type. I don't want to sleep on the floor. I like the wilderness, but uh, I'm going to return to a nice comfy bed in the warmth. Out, uh, I don't like bugs. I love the wilderness. Let me sleep in a, in, a, in a safe environment. I'm with you. I'm not so sure I could pull it off. I went away <laughs> to camp for six summers up in beautiful Hayward, Wisconsin. And I did some like interesting stuff. Like we went on a nine day trip through Canada where we had to like portage canoes and carry stuff. But yeah, I'm done with that now. I think I'm done. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I I don't have any desire to be, I I love nature. I think it's beautiful, but I have no desire to go out and, you know, rough it. I don't need a Bear Grylls style training. Not for me. No, you know what I need? More baseball in my life. We are officially (laughs) less than two weeks to go in the major league season. Let's kick it off with the team whose hat I am donning today. That would be the San Diego Padres. They win a one nothing special over the NL Central leading St. Louis Cardinals. So now the Padres are currently in the five spot in the National League playoff chase. Up a game and a half over Philly, up four over Milwaukee, and I believe they have the tiebreaker. So the Padres are sitting pretty. The big news yesterday was the pitching that they got. The starting of Blake Snell, who tied a career high with 13 strikeouts, and the closing of Mr. Hayter, who did a nice job and has seemed to kind of find his comfort zone. So what was the bigger story? Which left-hander kind of caught your eye on uh, Wednesday? So uh, I'm thinking more bigger picture here and effectiveness in the playoffs. Uh, as great as Blake Snell was, he is his, he's going to impact one game, if, if he even is in that rotation. Um, but they need Josh Hader. Josh Hader needs to be the closer. You know how important bullpen is, and they traded for him, and they traded a lot to for him to be that shutdown guy. So for me, the biggest story is him starting to right the ship. He didn't dominate and punch out three. I don't think he got any strikeouts, but he has looked better, and they need him. If they're going to do anything significant in the playoffs, he's going to have to be the Josh Hader that we've come to know and love. Um, I think he nailed it because if, you know, if we're talking about the Padres having to go either to Atlanta or New York or St. Louis, depending on where they finish as the five or six seed, um, they'll start Darvish in game one. I think even though he hasn't been nearly as good in the second half of the season, I still think Musgrove gets the ball in game two. And then it's some combination of Clevenger Snell in game three, if one of those guys doesn't pitch earlier in the series. So that's the way it would look, but you are right that Josh Hader has been the most dominant closer that we've had in this sport the last three years. 
And since the beginning of July, he hasn't looked the same. And I even watched him last night. And even though he was effective, he still isn't the same guy. You know, I don't know what it is. I don't know if you're seeing it, if you've watched him very much. But yeah, I think he's got six strikeouts this month. Now, he's only given up one run, which is great. I think this was his sixth or seventh appearance of the month last night. But he's not walking guys, which is good because he was doing that a lot in July and at the beginning of his Padres tenure. But he is not as dominant. I can't figure out what's going on. I have no idea what it is. Uh, and I'm sure the, there's smarter minds than mine doing just that, trying to figure out what it is from release point, arm angle, spin, rotation. There's something that has been amiss from him because it's not just a confidence thing. Although this is pretty much the first time in his big league career that he's faced significant adversity so when he started walking, guys, I think that's what that was. But now he's filling up the zone. He's just not getting those swings and misses that we're used to seeing, uh, especially on that fastball. If it, he's, I don't know what it is, but they they need for him to figure it out, and they're they're doing everything they can because he's a big piece of them being effective in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, I think it's nice that the Padres have kind of righted the ship here. Uh, they still have to kind of get Soto a little bit more back on track if they're going to have any shot of upsetting somebody in that first round. But I think it's good for baseball that they'll be in this thing. They are, even without Fernando Tatis Jr., a, an exciting squad. Speaking Agreed. of exciting teams, my Cleveland Guardians may have finally dropped the hammer last night. They have taken the first two of a three-game set on the south side of Chicago. Speaking of outstanding pitching performances, Tristan McKenzie, 13 strikeouts, no walks in eight innings as Cleveland cruises here. They now have a six-game lead in the division, which is technically seven because they won the season series. Uh, are you more shocked that the Guardians are running away with the division or that the White Sox are not? Um, if you would have asked me this in April, I would have been more shocked about the White Sox being on the outside looking in because of their roster. They were set up to be the most dominant team in the AL. I thought their roster was the most complete. Um, but having witnessed this, I got to do some games for the A's on the broadcast side. I watched the, the Guardians and I watched the White Sox in two separate series, and they couldn't be more different on how they play the game. The White Sox have seemed to right the ship lately, but they were so dysfunctional and lacked like whatever it is, that guts, that, that grit to put, wins on the table and on the other hand the guardians were fun i've been calling them mets light all year because of the way they go about winning ball games they don't strike out so they put pressure on the defense they have great defense they have awesome starting pitching anchored by bieber uh and then their bullpen is incredible with class a at the back they have some really really high powered arms in the bullpen, but they, they win and they have fun. And so there's dysfunction and there's, there's a, a team unity. So I'm not surprised because in 162 games, that stuff matters. I think all you had to do was watch the last inning that these teams played against one another on Tuesday night. And the first inning that they played against one another on a Wednesday to tell you all about these two squads, Cleveland, it's almost like watching a little league team. Like it's a little cheesy. Like they run everything out. They lead the world in infield base hits. Like Quan and Rosario go back and forth on who leads the league in infield hits. And on 
Tuesday night, when they went to extras after uh, the White Sox got to Class A and tied the game, the Guardians put up a five spot. And on one of the runs, somebody, I forget who it was, was stealing third base, and Moncada didn't even cover third. Just let the run in. Ball goes into left field, run comes in, Guardians end up winning. The first inning of Wednesday night's game, Quan leads off with another knock. Rosario hits a two-hopper to Moncada, who takes his time, and Rosario beats it out. Wasn't a hard play, pretty normal play, pretty standard. And then a few batters later, he makes an error that allows a, a run to score and continue the inning, and the Guardians tack on another. It was almost like the Guardians know that if they just play hard, that that's going to take the spirit out of the White Sox. Because I don't care whether it's LaRusso or Miguel Cairo. I can't figure it out, but it looks like, and I hate to say this, Jerry, it looks like at times they don't give a shit. I feel the same way. And I saw it. I, and I remember texting Ploof when I'm covering this team, watching him get thrown out, uh, like uh, on not running the bases out, not running down a fly ball, like being lazy. They just don't. It looks like they don't care. I don't like saying it either because I don't want to call out. I don't either. Character or chemistry having been on the other end of it. But it is what it is, man. I, I wouldn't say, I would say it to their face. I would ask them questions about it if I were in that clubhouse because it's it's glaring. And that that the difference between Cleveland, who they're doing, they're playing baseball fun. They're awesome for the fans. As you know, as a Guardians fan yourself, I'm in I'm in Ohio, so there's a ton of Guardians fans here. They love watching this team play baseball. Yeah. I do not enjoy watching the White Sox play, even though they have some really exciting players and I, a lot of personality that I like. I cannot appreciate the style of baseball that they play because it angers me as somebody that loves the game. Lackadaisical plays, you know, lollygagging, a little throwback. But it, it's just like, let's roll the balls out. Our talent will win it. And they just haven't done it. I think he said something really important that neither one of us like to make when we use our words, we choose them carefully. Like we don't like to make things personal. And what the worst thing you can do when you talk about pro athletes, in my opinion, is question motivation and how hard people play. Right. I think that, isn't that the stuff that bothers you the most? Absolutely. If like, if, if I do something on the field and I get beat, I'll be right there because you know, mm -hmm. that's my job. I got beat by the opposing hitter, whatever the case may be. It's the questions that like, hey, why didn't you hustle that out? Or were you even trying? What was your game plan going in? Do you care? Those are the ones that, that get to you. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of White Sox fan on the south side and around the country and around the world. They're looking at that team saying, why isn't this us? Why aren't we the team that's up six games? And then you watch the Guardians play and you go, oh, now I get it. I think there's massive changes uh, personnel-wise in as far as players. I think there's massive, maybe a change in the dugout and maybe a change in the front office coming with this team. I don't know what Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner's thinking about, but man, he ain't going to be happy. No, I mean, team. they, we, we knew kind of going in that this team was set up to win and they've yep. underperformed all year long. And it hasn't, you know, it's, it's, I hate to question people's every, you know what I mean? We, we talked about it, but if you watch the game, there's something going on. Something's amiss. It's not all functioning properly. And so they deserve to be questioned. Yep. And I think they have some tough questions to answer because 
it's not like this is an old team. This is a team where guys are kind of in the wheelhouse in the prime of their career, but I think they're going to have to make some interesting decisions in the offseason. But let's move on here to Aaron Judge. It was amazing. I don't know if you watched his first at bat on Wednesday night, but first pitch, he rips the ball down the line for a double, and you could almost feel the entire stadium and all of us watching like, ah, oh, damn, just a double. <laughs> then he did it again later. You're like, man, this sucks. So now he's still stuck on 60. Now he gets to face his arch rival, the Boston Red Sox, over the next four nights. Is there any way Boston does not pitch to the dude? Yeah, they you have to throw to him. You have to, you have to. There's no reason for the Boston Red Sox to pitch around this guy. They're not playing for anything. So it's not like if they lose. You know, they're going to drop a spot and all of a sudden they're out of the playoffs. Okay. And there's a pride to it. You'll never be allowed to go into New York City if you purposely don't pitch to Aaron Judge. And as a competitor, you have to want to get him out in these big spots. You don't want to be the guy that was like scared in that moment. So, as, as a lefty, as a soft tossing lefty, if I face Aaron Judge, I'm going to pitch around him in every other regular season because I'm going to get the guy behind him because I know my stuff matches up better against every other player in the big leagues. But in this situation, I'm coming after Aaron judge because I want to beat him in that moment as a competitor. I want to be better than him when he's trying to shine the most. And so they better pitch to Aaron judge because if the Boston Red Sox don't, it's going to be a blemish for me, a blemish on uh, one of the foremost organizations in sports in the Boston Red Sox. And, you know, there's going to be times where Aaron Judge is going to walk over the next four games, just like there was against the Pirates, right? You get, you might get some younger guys in situations that they're not accustomed to. They know that the whole world's going to be watching because everybody's cutting into every at bat. And so they could get some nerves. They could yank some pitches. That sort of stuff happens. But we're talking about intentionally not throwing the ball. I don't think that's in Alex Cora's DNA. I think he's going to be like, listen, if this guy does it, he does it. But we are going to try. Because the one thing you never question about Alex Cora is the desire to make sure his team is at its best. It hasn't been at its best this year. It's been a shitty year, and they're in last place in the division. But, yeah, I think it. I think it'll just continue to add to the lore of what Yankees Red Sox is all about. I mean, wouldn't it be un- unbelievable if Judge sets the American League home run record against the Boston Red Sox at Yankee Stadium? It'd be beautiful. It'd be, you know, there'd be a little poetry in baseball and you got to yes. love the romance to it. And, and I agree. I would use this as a teaching point. If I were a coach of those Boston Red Sox pitchers, I'll be like, look, this is as close as you're going to get to pitching in the playoffs or world series. These at bats, because the world is watching you. What, what kind of makeup do you have? Harness that energy. Think about it in the grand context of if you're facing him in the world series and let's see what you got, man, because this is what you dream about as a kid. Use this moment as a challenge to those pitchers. Okay. If you were pitching to Aaron judge tonight, what's your sequence? Oh, he's getting 100% curveballs from me. And if I give him a fastball, I'm giving it to him up and in. And for a ball, to try to see if he's going to get himself out. Because, you know, at my end of my career, I'm throwing 88 to 89. That's going to look real pretty coming in. So I want him to get himself out. 
and I'm not throwing him anything away because I don't want this guy to hit it back at me. (laughs) (laughs) that That is a true, like I did the same thing to Stanton. I'm not throwing Stanton anything on the other side of the plate because if he does hit it, I don't want to die. So he's getting curveballs down and in uh, my best pitch versus his best. You're getting curveballs. And if I have to throw you a fastball, it's going to be off the plate, but it's going to look like a strike. And hopefully he gets himself out. What if he's sitting curveball on you? Then if I, I've had a lot of guys like, no, like I don't want to toot my own horn, but I threw my curveball so much during my career that guys are sitting on it anyway. So if you hit it, I'm going to tip my cap to you because I gave you my best. So if you're sitting on it and you hit it, which Aaron judge is the best hitter on the planet right now, he's got a good shot at it, but I can rest my head at night knowing that he beat me at my best. Um, Would it bother you if you were a part of history? No, no, no. Um, Not at all. I think it's not like an honor. Like I'm honored to do it. I want to, be a part of history that prevented him from breaking that record as a competitor. Yeah, no, I get that. And so if he beats me, I, I got beat a ton in my whole career. Like I got beat guys hit the ball really well. And I will tip my cap knowing that I tried my best. It's not going to hurt my feelings. If I'm on that highlight reel all the time, I, it'll be just part of, you know, part of the highlights of my career. Okay. Were you ever in a milestone moment or anything interesting? just like first hits, you know, I gave up a couple of first hits, but nothing, I don't think anything significant like that. Okay. It's always interesting. Uh, Kansas City Royals. We haven't talked about them much on this show and with good reason. It's been a lousy year in Kansas city. Unfortunately, they did make an interesting move. They fired Dayton Moore after 16 seasons in the front office. He was of course the architect of their world series champion in 2015. Very emotional. Um, but does this feel like the right time to make a move or were you kind of taken aback? Uh, I think it's the, the right time, honestly, like it is very emotional. He put up a world series. They went twice in a row. He is the, the DNA of that team for, for a long time. He deserves every bit of accolades that he'll get. Um, but as a fan of the New York Mets and covering them, I saw what they went through trying to hire front office people You need to get that spot open so all these up-and-comers, all these front office hopefuls can say, hey, is this my chance? Is this going to be the spot that I can see myself and develop this this ball club? Get yourself out there. Make yourself available. You know, if you're, you know, put on a nice suit and tie and, and look sharp for those, you know, those worthy candidates like a dating scenario. So you you've got to be able to open that spot and start talking to people to refill that because in the off season, there's going to be other jobs available. So if you're the first one out there, you're connecting to agents behind the scenes, whatever the case may be, but, but this is your best chance at fulfilling it with a high candidate. So with Dave Moore, I personally don't know him very well. I think that I interviewed him maybe once or twice. Um, but after he was relieved of his duties by, by the new boss man, John Sherman, he went down to the clubhouse. He talked to every person in there, not just the players, everybody around there. You've heard he has amazing people skills, right? Now, did they do some things that were a little weird where they had a meeting about porn and how that will ruin your life and all sorts of stuff? And I'm not here to judge whether you think it is or it doesn't, but it's a kind of a strange thing to have in a major league clubhouse, right? You never had any of that discussion, did you? No. No. Okay. So obviously uh, 
you know, he took some of his personal beliefs into that clubhouse. But for the most part, if you were to talk to people throughout that organization, we heard yesterday from the likes of Salvador Perez and Eric Hosmer, who's no longer there, and guys who were like, he meant, he meant the world to all of us. So obviously he built something special there, a community there in Kansas City that isn't often felt in professional sports. So tip of the cap to him. Yeah, There's absolutely. the baseball side of this um, as well, though. What's that? Okay, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, tip of the cap to him. He's done wonders to, to be there for 16 years and to create those relationships, to create an environment that that's so welcoming. They're, they're an A plus organization. They, they have an old ballpark, but they keep it up. The fan engagement yep. is awesome at the ballpark. They always do solid in attendance. They have a future uh, core that looks like they can, they can put together a, a winning ball club in the, in the near future. Um so good for him. He'll be able to show his head and show his face in Kansas City forever and oh, be yeah. and be appreciated and loved for for the things that he's done for that organization. So yeah, again, a proper send-off. Yeah, but the facts are facts. They had three winning years, three winning years in 16 seasons under him. Now that included back-to-back World Series appearances and winning their first title in 30 seasons. So that will obviously buy you a lot of time. I think that John Sherman, who actually was a uh, part of the minority ownership in Cleveland and could see how a small market could sustain success. I think he felt like that Kansas city had lost its way that they have a lot of data in hand from every article I'm reading. They're not applying it the proper way. And so that's going to be now uh, up to uh, JJ Piccolo in order to do that. Thinks he's the right guy. We wish Dayton more the best of luck. Finally, speaking of small market teams, Hasn't been a great year for the Cincinnati Reds either. In the face of their franchise, has a slightly different look these days. Joey Votto has gone full beard on us. He's done some games in the broadcast booth recently, but last night he decided to hang out in the stands in Cincinnati wearing a Barry Larkin jersey. He was literally the mayor of Cincinnati having the time of his life, taking pictures, taking selfies, shaking hands, kissing babies. How amazing was this? Oh, I love everything about it. To my tip, a cap to, to Joey Votto. I, I love it so much. You know, I mentioned earlier that I'm in Ohio. My brother, my best friend are both Reds fans. I've got, I'm surrounded uh, by Reds fans. They were ready to throw their chips in and just be like, I need to pick a new organization because they were so mad at them trading their guys and, and hitting the reset button. And I get it, but the Reds, the Cincinnati Reds organization needs to bring in Joey Votto, keep him happy, keep him in the fold, because this is gold. This is what you want when you have somebody that's a future Hall of Famer, one of the best player on your team for like 12 years, uh, going and doing things like this, being in the booth, going around for the fans. They may not have a good product on the field right now, but when you have one of your all-time greats walking around taking pictures with people, it's incredible. So I, I love everything about what Joey Votto is doing later in his career, going on social media, showing some personality. I am a huge fan of Joey Votto, a huge fan of what he's doing now. And I hope the Reds embrace him uh, as whatever this ambassador role is. I know he's got another year, right. correct, on his contract? Yeah, another year at $25 million. Yeah, so let him play it out. But if it – if whatever the case may be, keep him around because the fans appreciate it. And his appreciation for the fans is something that you can't, you can't find that 
in very many places. You don't see that kind of thing. Uh, it all started with him. He is the um, Reds nominee for the Roberto Clemente Award. So he was honored before the game for having that honor bestowed upon him. And he shows up in a Clemente Pirates jersey, which was awesome. I mean, it really set the tone. And then for him to just be walking around the ballpark, I, I, I think athletes have done a remarkable, remarkable job of making themselves accessible, um, doing great things, whether it's in the community or at the ballpark. This took it up a level. This took it up a level. I, I love, love it. it. I've always been a Joe Votto fan. I hope that he plays next year. I know he's coming back from shoulder surgery. I hope he is more of the 2021 version than the 2022 version. And if he wants to ride off into the sunset that way, I think that he could get a phenomenal tip of the cap because of the way that he has represented himself over the last five years. Because let's remember, this wasn't always Joey Votto. Joey Votto, if you were to talk to players six, seven years ago about him, you would have gotten a very different response about who he was and his, whether it's fair or unfair, what his national persona was. Now it's totally flipped. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's... <laughs> He's always been fun to me. I always appreciated his kind of uh, antics with the crowd and fake throwing the ball up. And yeah, I think it was all his sense of humor, but he's really embraced opening himself up personality wise because he truly is like a, a wild man. You never know what you're going to get with him. And so to open yourself up to being real with people instead of having that facade of ball player it's hard it's it's hard to do both there's guy jacob de grom is the best pitcher i've ever seen the best pitcher on the planet right now he separates himself rightfully so because he doesn't want that he wants to be guarded and i respect the hell out of that but for joey Votto to find himself and be like hey i'm ready to open it up and and be out there i respect that even more because mm -hmm. it takes a lot of guts to do that I agree. I agree. What do you have coming up on John Boy Media? Uh, I just did uh, Talking Baseball that came out yesterday. We did a fun little, like, playoffs draft. Mets Twitter's coming for me right now because uh, I drafted the Phillies and the Braves and our, you know, one win equals uh, a point. It is what it is, but I I'm hedging my bets. We'll put it that way. Uh, and <laughs> then Shea Station, we've got a bunch of fun planned out because this Mets team – just clinched a playoff spot. They're fighting uh, the Braves, who are just a game back. Uh, they got a series coming up. So we're going to have a bunch of stuff. So, uh, And then I'll be on SNY doing pre- and post-game for the Mets this weekend towards the end of the season and then all of the playoffs. So uh, awesome. if you're around, tune in. That is great. So happy. Well-deserved. That's going to be fantastic. Latest episode of the Chris Rose Rotation is out with uh, Austin Hedges of the Cleveland Guardians, who's always a good time to talk to. We put the clip out uh, about Karen check getting his head checked by Teddy Barrett, the home plate umpire, because Hedges was working home plate that night. And so he had a close up view as to what was going on. Uh, he also he's funny. He's smart. He gives a whole bunch of good stuff about how he would pitch to judge uh, about whether or not he would be excited to be behind home plate about why the, a little bit about what we talked earlier about why the guardians are the team that's leading the division and not somebody else. We also talked about what the new rules for 2023 means to catchers. And he had a fascinating breakdown on how he thinks teams are going to value uh, defensive catchers moving forward. Have to really tune in. Oh yeah. It was excellent. Cause it, I didn't even think about it. And he totally made me 
So when your team is making moves in the offseason behind the dish and you don't understand why, I think you'll get a better understanding of it thanks to Austin Hedges. So that's cool. coming up. Yep. Uh, so that'll do it for today, at least on the podcast and YouTube side. I want to thank Jerry Blevins for doing an awesome job, as always, filling in. For our producer, Dan Rourke, I am Chris Rose. Coming up Friday, tune in. It'll be Arizona Diamondbacks TV play-by-play man Steve Berthume, my old friend from our CNN SI days together. So make sure you tune in then. We'll see you Friday.